Welcome to Grounds for Discussion, a book club podcast for the average Joe. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Laura. And I'm Becky. And we're so glad you're joining us this week. Uh, This week we are discussing the book The Night Tiger by Mm -hmm. Yangtze Chu, although I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, (laughs) but I'm doing my best here. (laughs) We're going to go with with it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Beck, um, what are you drinking? Are you drinking something? I am just drinking some regular uh, Javalia today, but um, yesterday I actually... (laughs) I kind of had a bad day yesterday, and so Aww. last night, Nathan was like, I think you need to go get coffee for the morning, so I got a, star, <laughs> a, a latte from Starbucks nice. last night, and I had that this morning, which was, it was good. I always like the caramel latte. So that's what I had this morning, and it was yeah, good. Yeah, you can't go wrong. I know. It's a classic. Can't go wrong. It is. <laughs> what it about is. you? In fact, my friend Michelle says that she doesn't like caramel, but when I make her stuff with the caramel from mm. Starbucks, she likes it. I I have to say so. that I kind of like yours better than Starbucks. I don't know why. <gasps> oh, dude. I know. Wow. I know. Wow. <laughs> That's really nice. That's really nice. Um, <laughs> High praise indeed. <laughs> I disagree, but that's really nice. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I am, okay, so you know I've started homeschooling this year because Mm -hmm. of corona craziness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, I am all about the quickest, easiest thing right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) Yeah, so I've kind of been doing a lot of, like, the double shots, but right now um, I got, have you ever had their their nitro cold brew? Yes. Mm-hmm. I really kind of like it. It's like really smooth. Yes. So um, I've actually been getting some cans of those just for kind of an occasional oh. like, like treat, you know, because they have them in cans. Like Starbucks has them in a can? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I did not know so that. Yeah. So you can go to the grocery store and, you know, just grab like a can huh. of the nitro. Okay. So I'll do that sometimes like just as kind of like a tree occasionally yeah and then um and then I'll do my normal like a little bit of like whip, whipping cream with some okay. caramel and salt and then I whip that up a little bit and put on top and yeah it's pretty delish nice so, that sounds amazing yeah. yeah it's really good I'll make you when we come yeah so <laughs> she's coming to visit Yay! <laughs> next week sisters <laughs> so sisters <laughs> So excited. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm drinking right now. Very nice. And did you want to tell everybody about the dessert? Yes, I would love to. So this book takes place in it's 1930s uh, Malaysia, right? Yep. Um, and I actually back in 2012. Uh, I feel like it's 2012, but maybe it was 2010. I'm not really sure. I can't remember. I, I know. It feels like a long time ago. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime. Um, I went on a, um, it was kind of like a missions trip. Um, yeah. Much, uh, it was different than a normal missions trip. It was through an organization called Women at Risk International, which is out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And they help women and children and even men sometimes um, who are stuck in uh, sex trafficking. And they teach them a trade and then um, hire them to make products and sell those products around the world. And, um, And then they have something to do after they get out of uh slavery. So yeah, I actually went to Thailand. Um, I think it was 2010. Um, sounds about right. Yeah. And they, uh, I went with this group of, I think it was like 30 some women and, um, we stayed there for two weeks and we met a bunch of women who had come out of the red light district. And we met, uh, I think it was three different, organizations that work with women at risk and they um they you know are like the hands and feet of this organization they help these women 
Um, and they make anything from like jewelry to handbags to paintings, whatever the women want to learn. They try to, you know, give them the finances that they need to, to support that. So all that to say, <laughs> it was an amazing trip, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm a foodie. So <laughs> yeah, the food in Thailand was amazing. Like it was so good. We went to some really, really like awesome places. Yeah, um, not gonna lie. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, there were even like, we had very authentic food too. Um, one of the places we went yeah. to, it was the backyard of this organization and we got to That's see where awesome. the women lived and, <clears throat> and worked. And, um, one of the ladies had made us this soup. I don't even remember what it was called, but I, <laughs> I am not like, I, I, I get hot really fast and like I get I get hot angry so (laughs) like it was like blazing hot it was February you know and it was like probably 90 100 and which I'm really bad at geography but is Thailand is that on the southern hemisphere so February would be their their summer or I'm I'm really bad with geography so I okay um yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it was. I'm, um, I'm terrible with and like. And isn't the it horrible? I've been there and I latitude. don't remember. <laughs> I don't. Well, it was a long time ago. It you was. have done a thing or two since then. So that's true. You know, I mean, I'm using you it. Might, you've you've li- used you've you've lived a little bit of life since uh, since 2010. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, she comes out with a soup, and I'm like, "Oh, heavenly Father, <laughs> help me right now." I, <laughs> but they they think that if you eat the hot soup, it'll cool your body down. Well, I mean, it was not just like temperature hot; it was like like spicy, yeah, spicy hot, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I went off on that story, but <laughs> but one of the places we went had um, our the director that took us on this trip, like she was the president of Women at Risk International, and she was saying, you have to try the um, mango sweet sticky rice. It's their one dessert that is like really good because they don't have a lot of like really sweet desserts like we do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I tried it and it was amazing. Like if you look at the ingredients, it's like, okay, it's rice and mango. And I think there's like coconut water in there or something. I don't remember all the ingredients, Um, but it was so good and I even tried to make it once when I came home and it didn't work out too well but that was pre-Pinterest so you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) now I'm sure there's a ton of recipes I could find but um yeah but it was delicious and it's it's um you know authentic and it's really good so I highly nice. recommend trying it if you all right if you're willing to try a different type of dessert. So yeah, and that that will be up um, on our website the recipe for that, so you can give it a try. Yeah, so go to our website groundsfordiscussionpodcast.com and find the recipe and give it a try because I I really I yeah I it was much the same in China because mm-hmm. I I went to China for a couple different missions trips um, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know me and. Um, it was kind of the same where they just, they don't have a lot yeah. of desserts. I, right. I don't know. I, I'm not totally sure why all of the ins and outs of that culturally, but mm-hmm. they just don't eat a lot of desserts. Mm-hmm. So I remember somebody on our team had a birthday while we were over there. And one of the missionaries managed to like find some obscure little Western type bakery and they hmm. got a cake. And it was... It was really good, but it was hmm. not cake like you would oh. have a, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, it was, wasn't like cake like we would think of cake. Was it, it was like very, a different consistency or was it like the flavor was different? It was just much more subtle. I really okay. kind of liked it. Okay. Like it wasn't overly sweet. Um, I mean, it was cake, but it just wasn't 
Like, there was a lot of, like, fruit on it, and there uh-huh. was just, like, a lot of... It was just... It was much more subtle. Yeah. I really liked it, because uh-huh. I, I tend to go for those kind of desserts anyways a lot of time. Okay. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like a good, rich dessert. Oh, yeah. But I also really like kind of the more subtle type desserts, mm-hmm. too, where it's like, oh, that's not super sweet. That's kind of just, you know, just mildly sort of sweet and light and, yep. you know, so it yeah. was it was interesting. But, yeah, same kind of situation. And then the book, these characters, a lot of them are Chinese. So yeah. I don't know what the crossover is exactly, but anyway. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but do they – I feel like they don't use a lot of sugar. Is that – yeah, like, I don't. I don't think they do. Um, and I don't know what they usually sweeten things with. If they were gonna sweeten something, I think sometimes I don't it's know. natural stuff like honey or like that's the what coconut, I'm wondering. You know, coconut maybe. Yeah, coconut type flavorings, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you why, but it was it was very interesting and it was fun to to try mm-hmm. kind of a different take on what dessert would be for you know in the east. Yeah, so, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, cool. So, right. ready to dive in here? I am. Um, so, like we said, we uh, are discussing the book The Night Tiger by Yang Si Chu. And um, just a little bit about her. She is, um, she actually is Malaysian as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe she lives in the States. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at my book right now. She lives in California. Yeah. So, I don't know if she is a like an immigrant or like a, an, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or if she grew up in the States or was born in the States, I'm not sure. But she's of Malaysian descent and then her her ancestors are Chinese. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense for this book. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of crossover in the book. There's a lot of Chinese characters and yeah. just all these different people groups kind of mixing together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually just going to give a little description from the jacket here to kind of give you for anyone who hasn't read the book maybe, but still just wants to listen in and just to give you a basic framework. Yeah. Quick witted, ambitious Ji Lin is stuck as an apprentice dressmaker moonlighting as a dance hall girl to help pay off her mother's mahjong debts. But when one of her dance partners accidentally leaves behind a gruesome souvenir, Ji Lin plunges into a dark adventure a mirror world of secrets and superstitions. 11-year-old Chinese houseboy Ren also has a secret, a promise that he must fulfill to his dead master to find his master's severed finger and bury it with his body. Ren has 49 days to do so, or his master's soul will wander the earth forever. As the days tick relentlessly by, a series of unexplained deaths rack the district along with whispers about men who turn into tigers. Ji Lin's and Ren's increasingly dangerous paths crisscross through lush plantations, hospital storage rooms, and ghostly dreamscapes. Um, And then it says, basically, it's kind of like a coming-of-age story about a child, which would be Ren, and a young woman, which is Ji Lin, Mm -hmm. who are each kind of searching for their place in a society that would rather they stay invisible. What it didn't say, basically, is that Ji Lin, her mother, um, is alive, but her father passed away when she was young. Mm-hmm. And her mother remarried a man who is um, very stern mm-hmm. and occasionally violent. And so we kind of get the idea that um, he's probably, I don't know if I'd say beating up, but he's uh, he's physically aggressive yes. with his wife. Yeah. Um. And the stepfather um, also brings a son into the marriage. So mm-hmm. Ji Lin and the brother, Shin, grow up together. Mm-hmm. So that's a little background. Um, so just diving in from there, um, yeah. what do you, what did you think about um, their relationship between, the, the relationship between the steps, stepbrother and stepsister, yeah. Ji Lin? And Shin. Well, the book describes it as them uh, being really good friends up until a certain point. Like, I think it yeah. was like preteen uh, time. Isn't that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, somewhere in there. Um, and then he kind of becomes standoffish and she walks in on him, right, with a, like, 
another girl, like, kissing With a girlfriend, yep. Yeah, and she's like, and it just becomes really super awkward after that. Um, And to me, it was kind of obvious, like, I I felt like um, it was clear how he felt about her. And maybe it's because I have a preteen boy right now. And I was like, dude, you can't tell that he totally is into you. Which sounds really, uh, it's strange to think about because, okay, I think of my family. And you can say that we're a blended family. Like, uh, I don't think of our family that way. But it is true. Like, my oldest son is 12 and and Nathan, you know had him as a little boy with his previous wife who passed away. And so I adopted him and then we had Graham. So he's, you know, our son. And then, um, Ellie, we adopted. So like in my mind, I was thinking that would be so nasty. (laughs) Yeah. If they came to believe that they were in love, you know, um, if either of my sons, you know, thought that they were in love with my daughter, that is just, yeah, uh, it's really, really kind of creepy. But the book made it sound not as uh, taboo, I guess. I mean, it was in their society. But I felt like at times I was kind of rooting for them. Um, Yeah. And I think for so long in the book, they didn't come together because of, you know, what their parents would think, what society would think, all these different things. But um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that relationship because I did find myself being uh, being like creeped out. But then at the same time, kind of like, yeah, (laughs) get together. You know, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about that relationship? Well, that's really funny hearing your description because I um, I didn't see it right away. Okay. But fairly quickly you start to realize, okay, I I think these two are you, – you definitely realize that they're each other's best friends and mm-hmm. always have been. Yeah. They were kind of paired up together against his dad almost. Mm-hmm. And you sort of get the feeling that like um, – the the stepfather probably I don't I don't even know his name did they ever say a name I don't <laughs> I'm sure they do in the beginning but like he's just kind of this dreadful figure in the background yeah it's always like okay we got to be careful because if dad hears us he's good you know right. um if dad if dad hears anything happening not not between them but just like anything at all like right. he's gonna be that mad. he could get mad about right yeah um so like arguments are like whispered and mm-hmm. like you know just everything is sort of um, you know, tamped down in the whole house always because what if dad hears us and mm-hmm. gets angry? Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's really kind of sad. But anyway, yeah. um, at first I, I sort of thought, okay, they've been teamed up against this, you know, awful father figure for so long that of course they're close. Like, mm-hmm. of course they're best friends and they consider each other to be the closest person in their lives. But yeah. then, of course, as the book goes along, it progresses, at least for Lynn, she starts to realize that she loves him. Mm-hmm. And you find out that Shin has always loved Lynn. Yeah. Um, but he just didn't feel like he could say anything because he knew she wasn't there. And also he knew that, you know, it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be acceptable. Right. But it's funny to me that you to hear you talk about it because I hadn't even thought about the fact that, you know, technically, yeah, it'd be like Micah being into Ali. <laughs> right. And even saying it, it's like, that's nasty. It's like, what? That's <laughs> gross. So, so, like, reading the book, I didn't think that much of it. I was like, oh, it'd be a little weird, but they're not actually related. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then you start to understand the mom's reaction mm-hmm. after thinking about it in terms of your life. You yes. know? Like, yes. oh, yeah, okay, I kind of get why... Yeah. Why the mom was so freaked out by that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So <laughs> I, I didn't think too much of it until I, I, you know, basically until now. Like, I thought, okay, it's a little strange. But, yeah, you know, but I, I also kind of thought, like, okay, it'd sort of be like if Ben or one of Ben's brothers uh-huh. was interested in 
any of his stepsisters because mm. when his parents got married, you yeah. know, his, his, his stepdad and his mom got married, they were all in, I think, either late middle school or maybe all in high school. Okay. So it, it gets, I don't know, for some reason it seems a little less creepy. It's like They're a little they haven't older. grown up together. They're all older. They haven't mm-hmm. grown up together. Um, so it seems like, okay, that'd be a little weird. Yeah. And it could get really awkward because you want to make sure that you're being careful and stuff. But at the same time, they're not related in any mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But it just, it gets creepy real fast when you put it into the... <laughs> right. <laughs> put it into other terms, you know. But I so, don't think the author meant it that to be creepy. I think just I don't from think so my either. experience, uh, you know. Yeah. It, that's how I read it. Yeah. Because I kind of read into it, I guess. But, um, yeah. I mean, you kind of, you want them to get Yeah, together. you're rooting for them. Yeah. You're rooting for them. Because yeah. they are such, so close. Like, yes. they love, they really, they don't just love each other, like, romantically. They love each other as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they care about each other. Because yeah. they've spent so long having each other's backs. Yeah. And it was you interesting know. how that came out, too, though, when they were older. Like, they fought continuously when they were older did you think that was kind of interesting how yeah how it showed up in that way yes once they grew um, up um which is funny because i mean as little kids mm-hmm. yeah ki- you know brothers and sisters fight all the time mm-hmm. but normally as you start to grow up hopefully there's less and less of that right. you know right. um but they sort of seem to carry that on a bit where Mm-hmm. You know, even after they're into late adolescence, early young adulthood, and this all all this yeah. stuff, they're still kind of arguing yeah. a lot. You know, but I um, think like brother once and sister, they found out how they felt about each other. They didn't argue. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was that tension. You know. Yeah, K- kind of a different um, dynamic there between mm-hmm. those two. Yeah. What yeah. did you think about some of the? Um, sort of superstitious stuff that showed up. Well, there was a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. So there was um, the belief in the night tiger, where right. I think they called it a were tiger. Yeah, I got a little confused, honestly, because there's sort of like different legends behind mm-hmm. it. There's one where it's like, it's actually a tiger, but it can sort of take on the form of a man or something like that. Yes. I think it was... And then there's the opposite, mm-hmm. where it's really a human that can turn into... I, I got a little confused with all the different... I think it could go, like, back and forth. It sounded to me like okay. it was a a tiger who, when he wanted to, he can he could, like, put on human skin and would prey on humans. Um, yeah. So there was that, you know, whole legend, uh, folk tale that the people believed in the, in yeah. the towns, in the villages. Um, and then there was the whole concept of speaking to the dead. Um, yeah. Uh, the little boy, Ren, was actually a twin and his twin passed away. And... Um, Ren has these, it's Ren, right? That has these dreams yes. or is it G Lin or both of them? They I both think, do. Yeah. They both have in dreams. In fact, G Lin meets the twin. Yes. About, in her dreams. about talking to this twin about what's happening and what they should be doing. And, um, yeah. and so there's that concept of speaking, you know, to the dead and then, um, what was the other? Um... I mean, there's tons like the the idea that numbers can be lucky yes. or unlucky because yes. they sound like different words mm-hmm. in Cantonese or in Chinese or in mm-hmm. whatever you know. Yeah. Each different language, you know, would have its own lucky numbers and unlucky numbers. Yep. Um, and even and so, even their names, like their names, mean something. And yes. There, so there were like kind of five people that had um had meaning behind their names there was knowledge humility integrity righteousness and ritual and those are actually the five confucius or confucian 
uh, virtues. So there was, um, it, it was just like steeped in like tradition and, um, yes. And and folklore. and And I do think that the, that, um, you know, this, this region of people, they are very superstitious. Like, yeah, you know, if you study any of, of their background, you come to find pretty quickly that they believe in a lot of things and they still do today. Yeah. Like, But what's so interesting to me is that the, it, I, as I was reading it, I felt like the people were like overly superstitious. Mm. But as a, the more I read it, I realized, you know, that's because I'm looking in from the outside uh-huh. where if they were to look into my culture, they'd be like, what's this about like saying God bless you when somebody sneezes? Mm. Why is that like, yeah. why is it a big deal? Or, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can't see the superstition in your culture so much because it's it just the culture. Right. It just, it's just, you don't even, it's what and you may or may with. not actually. Yeah. And, and you may or may not actually believe any of that. It's just what you do, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so I found it really interesting as I started thinking more about it, that really, yeah, I don't think they're any necessarily any more superstitious than us. They just have these things that look weird to an outsider because mm-hmm. that's not, are superstition. Right. I just found it so interesting. But again, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, mock anybody's culture. It's pure crap. But so is, <laughs> but, but so is saying God bless you because, yes. I'm, because somebody sneezes. They don't, yes. God blesses me whether I sneeze or not, you know, like, I right. mean, <laughs> you right. know, so, so I just, I just found it really interesting mm-hmm. to think about that idea yeah. of, I love being able to look into other people's cultures and just like, that's one reason I enjoyed this book because there were so many things in it that just were foreign to me, but it was an everyday occurrence to them or just something that they've always grown up with. And, and you kind of learn, you learn about the culture when you read, you know, books like, like this. And I'm not saying everything in it is, completely accurate i don't know if that no is i mean it's fiction not. obviously right, it's right. fiction you know but, but a lot of it it's just interesting to read and and kind of put yourself in that um atmosphere and and just yeah. learn through that it, it was i don't know i kind of like that yeah i agree So in the book, there's um, a character called William Actons or Acton, right? Yep. And he is actually English and he's there, you know, he's the doctor in the village, right? Um, and yeah. And he has quite a, you find out he has quite a relationship with <laughs> some of the women in the village and you learn a little bit about his background throughout the book. But um, what did you think of that character, Laura? Uh, I found him really intriguing because mm-hmm. he's he's one of the characters where um, you sort of have to peel back the layers a bit. And that's what the book does. So mm-hmm. slowly and steadily, you find out more and more about this character, yeah. William Acton. He is friends with Dr. McFarlane. Mm-hmm. who was Ren's original master. Right. So Ren was a was houseboy to Dr. McFarlane, mm-hmm. who we come to find out thought he was a were-tiger. Mm-hmm. Now, whether, I mean, obviously... Ren thought that... Uh, Ren Dr. thought that... Dr. William Yes. Was. No, Ren thought that Dr. McFarlane, his original oh, master, yes. was okay. a were-tiger. So Dr. McFarlane, before he died... Um, of malaria, mm-hmm. tasked Ren, his houseboy, with finding a finger of his that he had to have severed, mm-hmm. like, years ago um, to prevent infection. Well, it turns out William Acton was the man who took that finger off. He's mm-hmm. a surgeon. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay, Ren, I need you to go and find my finger and bury it with my body because I'm gonna die. So I need you to to bury that with my body after I die. Go find it. Go and to Doctor Acton. That and was get part my of the superstitious 
um, yes. you know, thing as well. He, he thought that his soul could not be at rest until his whole body was together, right? Right. And according to legend, he had 49 days yeah. before he would no longer be able to rest in, like he'd forever wander mm-hmm. if they didn't get that finger back in the grave with the rest of his body right. by the end of that 49 days. Yeah. Well, what I found so interesting, first of all, with Dr. McFarlane is um, the original yeah. doctor, the mm-hmm. ma- Ren's original master, he was Scottish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found it really odd mm-hmm. that he believed he was a, a were-tiger. Hmm. You know, like, I, yeah. I found it really odd that he kind of bought into this, you know, Eastern superstition about himself. But then you come to realize, okay, he died of malaria. Yeah. He was kind of delirious yeah. for a lot of the last of his, his days on Earth. Yeah. And so I just, I just found it really odd. Mm-hmm. I found that really strange. Well, how long had Dr. McFarlane lived there? And and I don't know. And they may have said at some point, and I just missed it. So but maybe I'm wondering he, if he had been there a long time. Yeah, maybe he had lived there. I mean, you do take on some culture, like when you when you live in a certain place for a long time, yeah. you do take on that yeah. culture a little bit. So true. Maybe so he maybe just bought into that. I don't know. Yeah, I just found it interesting. Yeah, and then. Um, okay, so that's Ren's original master, so sorry, I'm kind of backtracking here. Mm-hmm. So then Ren goes, after his master dies, he goes and he's going to do it. He's going to find this finger, he's going to bring it back to his master's grave so that he can rest in peace. And he goes to William Acton, the man who had taken the finger and severed it for for Dr. McFarlane. So he goes and he's now William's houseboy. Mm-hmm. And he works for him. Um and William, yeah, he is just kind of an enigma to me because yeah. you know there's a lot happening under the surface with him because he talks a lot about um, an old flame named yes. Iris. Uh-huh. And at first I was thinking, oh, he's got a fiancé in England. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the more you read, the more you're like, is she his Isn't fi- like, that what's... kind of what he portrays? portrays those yeah it almost seems that way i think so i almost feel like he was sort of maybe using that as cover yeah a little bit so that he wouldn't be pestered by other expats trying to get him hooked up yeah with someone yeah um because he seemed like he kind of just wanted to do whatever he wanted to do in that area instead Uh of actually being committed and married but yeah, he's. What did you think about him? I I feel like this this is kind of a reoccurring theme with some of the characters in the book. It's like a double life. Like he has yeah. this. Yeah. He had this life in the community where he was an upstanding guy. He, you know, he was a good doctor. He cared about his patients. All these different things. He saved people's lives, and then he, like. He went to the dance hall once, right? Is that how he met? Uh, she, or how did he meet? Um, no, he met her by. Um, I think he met her by her coming to his house for a party, or had he already met? her? Oh at that yeah, point? he had. Um, I think he had met her, but it was like a party that they, um, somebody put on where they had like these dancing girls come and entertain them, right? Right, Not so like that they anything. could have dancing. Just, they were there to dance with the guys. Right, like they basically were there to, so that they had enough women so that the men could have partners to dance with. Right. Yeah. Um, but he did kind of use and abuse some of the girls. Yeah. Um, in the In the village, like, and he didn't really treat them with respect or care. Like when it came to women, yeah. he... he didn't really if he was interested in them he didn't really value them that much i guess and well I, he it felt like he didn't see them as whole people yeah. he just saw them as someone he could have some fun with to distract yeah. him from the rest of his life yeah and it was just kind of like every every new female was a chance to just kind of yeah oh you know have some fun on the side mm-hmm. but this is my real life over here and some of that could have you been know? um the time, 
you know? Yeah. But, I, yeah, I feel like he he had these two lives that mm-hmm. he was kind of leading. And I feel like some of the other characters did, too. Like, uh, Jilin, um, you know, she had the life that yep. she portrayed to her mom and her parents. And then she had this yep. secret life where she was trying to make extra money. And, um, and then Shin, who you know, was very well respected and expected to take care of his family and be this, you know, doctor and super smart. But he struggled with that. And then he had this secret, uh, you know, these secret feelings about about his stepsister. So I feel like it was... um, it was just a reoccurring thing in the book. And I just found that interesting yeah. with all these different characters. Um, yeah, you're right. And maybe some some of it had to do with you didn't really know, like, if the Night Tiger was real and if, like, who could have been the Night Tiger. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I honestly hadn't thought of it. In those terms, I, I'm, that's really, I think that's really interesting because you're right. Almost every character Mm -hmm. had some kind of double life. Yeah. And I mean, you look at, I mean, Lydia for sure. I was just going to say, even Lydia who. And yeah. Cobang, who was, who ended up being, you know, the person in the end who they finally figured out he was the one you know, doing all this stuff. Yeah. He had definitely had a double life mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, um, and yeah, it, you're right. I mean, almost, I mean, definitely all of the major characters Yeah, and even a lot of the minor characters mm-hmm. really kind of led double lives. Um, and that's so interesting in terms of what you were saying, like who is the night tiger? Yeah. And I had thought about that. I was like, what does this title mean? Hmm. You know, like I'd kind of thought about that. There's the obvious, okay, there's a tiger or they think there's a tiger. Right. And obviously um, it's much scarier to think about a tiger in the nighttime Mm -hmm. because where is he? Mm -hmm. You know, he could be anywhere. He could be be behind this bush, Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, so literally there's a night tiger. Right. Right. But what does that mean? What, who, who is the night tiger or what is the Mm -hmm. night tiger? Is it the dreams that keep coming to different characters where they're they're getting information that they shouldn't be able to have mm-hmm. somehow they're you know is that the night tiger right um because the dreams aren't always conveying fun stuff a lot right. of times it's and you never actually nobody ever actually sees the night tiger right? i don't think it's ever actually seen I, I feel like there's yeah. there was the point where um, Ren goes out to the garden to yes. he's he he knows there's a tiger out there so he goes out to dig up the finger and um, I feel like at that time maybe they heard some like growling they or heard something. something yes but they never saw anything but I don't think they ever saw it uh uh-uh. uh so it's just it, yeah I I really love that it's kind of it's kind of an enigma what yeah like. Who or what is the tiger? What yeah. is it that we're afraid of? What and is it that we're being The author by? never really answers that outright. So no. I, maybe that's something that she wants her readers to think about. I think you're right. decide for themselves what is the night tiger. I think you're right. I just find that so intriguing. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I have... A definite opinion on that. Do yeah. you? No. No. I just think it's kind of, uh, it's interesting to think mm. about what it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What did you, um, what did you think about, okay, so there was kind of a lot of talk about matched pairs. So you have Ren and Yi. Oh, yeah. And they are two of the Confucian mm-hmm. virtues. And they're a matched pair. And then you have Jilin and Shin, who are mm-hmm. another two Confucian virtues, yep. kind of like a matched pair. So they talk about in the book, there's, you know, those two pairs. And then they talk about, okay, but who is the fifth? Mm-hmm. Who's the fifth virtue? And at one point they talk about 
maybe William yes. is the fifth because he has a Chinese name that he's been given. Yes. But it's literally William uh-huh. in Chinese characters. Uh-huh. But one of those characters is L.I. Lee. Uh-huh. And so they talk about, okay, maybe he's the fifth yeah. virtue, which is order and ritual. Yeah. And doing things in the correct sequence or order and having order. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know if that's what it was supposed to be in the end or not. Like, who? what did I, you think about that? I assumed that it was because they kind of hinted that it could be. So I just thought it was. But they did talk about something about all of these characters coming together. And perhaps they should have been one to begin with. Do you remember that's that? That's right. Part? Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, the thought of, um, you know, in their culture, bringing all these things together. That I don't know if she was saying that as a person they should have been one. Is that w- well, what you got? I don't it? know. I wasn't sure on that either. And I just sort of thought, okay, if you put all of these characters together mm-hmm. in their mind, all of those, it, all of those traits and everything would then make like kind of like a perfect human a whole or person. something or a yeah. whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just interesting to think about because I, I just, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure where she was going with that. Maybe she meant that's why they were, like, destined to come together and find each other? I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Because there was definitely a lot about that where it was kind of like... Yeah. These characters who never should have met under normal mm-hmm. circumstances were all sort of being almost, like, pulled together by, you know, invisible strings. Yes. And, and just kind of meeting in the middle for yep. some you know, faded, destined reason. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, like the idea of destiny. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that um, story of the Red Thread where... I actually was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, where when you're born, you're, like, destined to, um, to meet whoever you're supposed to meet and you're connected with a Red Thread... And a lot of times um, you hear that story with, like, adoptions. Yes. Um, So this is a Chinese um, idea, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, In fact, that was the name of our our website when we were adopting Ellie, the Red Thread. Yeah. Because it's just, I mean, we took it as the idea of God has... um, placed this child in our life and he has brought us to her. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we were always meant to be a family is how we yeah. kind of, you know, interpreted that. But, yeah, it's like a a very well-known, I don't I don't even know what you would call it, I guess. Uh, Legend or, yeah. or, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting because there's definite elements of that in the book, basically, like, oh, mm-hmm. they're, you know, fate and destiny have brought you together, but there's also elements of, um, you know, free will and these characters, uh, Mm. forging their own paths too. Mm -hmm. Um, because G Lin, again, she's, she's basically supposed to just be quiet and get married. Yeah. But she wants to, I mean, she's, she has a huge head for numbers. She wants to. She's um, very smart. She'd love to be a nurse. She's very smart. And so, you know, at the end you find out, you know, that she's, she really wants some time to just go explore Mm -hmm. how to be a human outside the confines of her small world that she's been in. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I just love that there's kind of both there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And Shin, too. I mean, Shin, you know, is supposed to get his medical degree and mm-hmm. marry a nice girl and all of this. And yep. he is bound to determine he's going to marry Jilin. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, not what anybody mm-hmm. would have planned for him or, or would have considered his destiny or his yeah. fate. Um, by the end of the book, did you feel like it could lead into a sequel eventually? Or did you consider it? finished i honestly i'd love it if she made a sequel i would too. I, that would i, I would read it that was for the sure intent 
but I think that would be kind of cool if she did. Yeah, I agree. I'd love it if she made a sequel. Uh-huh. But I think it's also very, it very well stands alone and can yes. be its own. Because it the story, I mean, she's told the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it but kind yeah, of ends she with, like, all of them going into this new adventure. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool to think that there could be, you know, but I, I do think you're right. I think it stands alone. And I think it's meant to. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I always do that anyway with characters. I sort of mm-hmm. go, okay, so I yeah. wonder what happened next. Me too. You know? like, Have so, you heard yeah. of this author before? You know, I really hadn't, which is surprising because she writes in a style that I I have often been drawn to. And mm-hmm. she's um, she writes about other cultures, which I love. Yes. And um, in fact, I I saw in the back of my book, it had um, some, you know, how they'll have blurbs about other books and that kind of thing. Yeah. And apparently her her first novel was, I think it was her first novel, it was called um, The Ghost Bride. Oh, okay. And it deals with another kind of superstition, which I believe, I think, is mainly Chinese in origin. Okay. Um, but this tradition of marrying, um, I think it's usually women, marrying women to an ancestor mm. who is actually dead. And mm. sometimes it will be um, like, almost like marrying your ancestor to another ancestor hmm. or something along those lines, like matching up two families with ancestors. Strange. But sometimes it's literally like finding a bride for your dead son wow. or find it, you know, so, huh. um, and I don't know anything of the actual storyline, but I really okay. want to read it. Yeah. What's it called? It's called the ghost bride. The ghost bride. I'm going to look that up. You know, I have a like long list of books. That <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I try uh, to keep lists, but I've been bad about that lately. But, um, but yeah, it's on, it's definitely on my like mental list where I really want to read it. Now was, um, the, was this book written before or after the night tiger? Do you know? I believe the Night Tiger was written after okay. the Ghost Bride. Okay. So I think the the Ghost Bride was her like kind of first novel that she, that she really came out with that okay. people know of. So okay. Um, but yeah, I really want to read it. So I, I'm gonna look that one up. So do you yeah, want to do yeah. um, reviews? Is there anything else? You yeah, let's talk do. About? Um, no, I I I think we've given it a pretty good run over. Obviously, yeah. there's tons more, and yes. if you haven't read the book. Um, and it sounds interesting to you, you know, get it. It's, yes. it's good. So it is I really good. enjoyed it. So, um, so Beck. Yeah. Why don't you go first? What, okay. what rating are you giving this? I would give it a Javalia. I really enjoyed the time frame, the culture, the story itself was really well written. Like, yeah, really well written. Um, I think the only reason I'm giving it a Javali instead of a Pete's is because there was so much, I read this like a couple months ago and there was so much detail <laughs> that you can kind of get yeah. lost in the detail. And I did a little bit cause I, I couldn't remember all the specifics and I like to be able to tell the story um, just off the top of my head and not always yeah. have to like research it again if I need to talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and not that that's a bad thing that there were so many details. I thought it was, I thought it, I thought it was really well done, but yeah, a Javali is good. Yeah. So Javali is, Hey, Javali is great. That's right. Um, so yeah, I, I really, kind of went back and forth a little bit. Okay. I wasn't, but I think in the end, I'm going to have to give it a Javalia as well. Okay. Um, I, I really enjoyed this. It was a fun read. Yes. It felt like a bit of a, a thicker book as far as some of our books go, but it went fast. Yes, it did. Um, because I just wanted to know what was going to happen yes. and, and, you know, what is this guy about and did he do this or did he, you know, mm-hmm. so it was almost like, I mean, it was kind of like a murder mystery plus a, oh, like, yeah. just immersive cultural study. Yeah. Plus, like, all, I mean, just, it had story, so many. Plus, a love like, story. It had everything a, in it. 
It did. It was so diverse in its sort of like genres almost. Uh-huh. I felt like it was like several genres yes. at once. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed it. And honestly, the only reason I can't give it a five is because I just feel like I have to reserve the fives for like books that I am just absolutely insanely in love with. Yes. And I wouldn't say I'm that for this, but I really did enjoy yes. it. It was really good. Yeah. Um, and I just, for me, Anytime I can kind of be immersed in a different culture mm-hmm. and sort of feel like I'm getting the little details of everyday life yes. from that culture, uh-huh. I, I'm i totally there. Yes. I'm on board. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and just the cross-cultural stuff. I mean, it takes place in Malaysia, but there's a ton of other cultures kind of represented mm-hmm. by different characters. Mm-hmm. A lot of Chinese in there. They talked about Tamil, and I don't even know what that is. Mm. I need to do some research, because I started feeling real stupid after a while. I'm like, what? <laughs> what people group is that? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes. Javalia, it is for both of us. Yes. You know, I like it when we agree on one. Yes, I know. (laughs) I know. I loved it. So for our next book choice, we are going to be reading Fireside Gothic. It's three tales um, in one book. It's by Andrew Taylor. And I've already started it. And I am highly recommending that you pick up the book. If you and it's not a long read. No, it's very fast, actually. Um, yeah. And I, spe- I think maybe because it's broken up into three different small, smaller stories, and maybe that's yes. why. Yeah. But um, yeah, go get the book, and you could join us next time if you don't want to read it, and you just want to listen to us blab on about it. That's totally fine too. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to do that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. I have talked to our mom about possibly joining us. Ooh. So right. I, I did I did I even tell you that? <laughs> um I don't know if I no. even told you that. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope I'm I hope I'm not throwing it up there too quick. But I've talked about the possibility of possibly has, mom has she read it? Joining us. Um she we talked about that maybe she would grab it and try Okay. It. So Okay. Cool. Yay. So we might have a guest next time. You'll have to join us and see if we have a guest next time. (laughs) Yeah. Join us and see because I don't even know for sure, but I'm just throwing that out there as a hook. (laughs) Yeah. We do like to spice it up, don't we? Yeah. It might (laughs) might be an extra person because she's going to, Becky's visiting me and and my mom is also going to be here. And so it's so excited to be, our next one will be together. So that'll be be good. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. We had a lovely time talking about the Night Tiger. And we look forward to the next time. And hopefully you'll be able to join us on Grounds for Discussion. Where the coffee and the books are a perfect blend.